Hello, beloveds. My name is Renee Perry. I'm the pastor at Cahaba United Methodist Church, and I am a graduate and faculty now in the Spiritual Direction Program with Metagym Institute. Today, we are going to talk and experiment with imaginative prayer. People have used their imaginations in prayer for forever, but imaginative prayer is most commonly attributed to St. Ignatius of Loyola. In fact, it's one of the hallmarks of Ignatian spirituality. From his youth, Inigo, a Spanish nobleman, was a dreamer. Reading books full of adventure and romance, he imagined himself as the hero and adventurer in his stories. Those childhood dreams led him to a life as a soldier, but in a fateful battle, the course of his life changed. Although his unit was surrounded, Inigo persuaded his fellow soldiers to fight on. A French cannonball shattered his leg in the midst of the battle. During his long recovery at the Loyola family castle, Indigo spent his time reading and dreaming to stave off the boredom. His dreams were primarily one of two ideas, imagining the glory he might one day claim on the battlefield and imagining the great deeds he might one day do in service to Christ. Now, fortunately for us, Inigo was self-aware enough to notice that his dreams of personal glory led to feelings of emptiness and restlessness, while his dreams of service for Christ led to contentment and peace. This understanding eventually formed the basis of Ignatian discernment and the process of examine. These truths became the basis of his spirituality, the belief that all created things, including our imagination and emotion, can lead to holiness. Years later, Inigo and six companions formed a new religious order called the Society of Jesus. It's commonly known now as the Jesuits. It's not surprising that imaginative prayer is a key element of the spirituality that Inigo, or St. Ignatius as we know him today, developed. There are two ways of imagining that Ignatius taught in his spiritual exercises. The first way is to meditate on the mystery of the Incarnation. He asks us to imagine that God is looking down on our troubled world. We imagine God's concern for this world. We see God intervening by sending Jesus into the chaos of life. This type of imagining helps us to see things from God's perspective and take on God's qualities of love, compassion, and understanding. The second method of imagining he taught is to place ourselves fully within a story from the Gospels. We become participants in the story, and we give full reign to our imagination. We are there on the road to Jerusalem from Jericho when blind Bartimaeus calls out to Jesus. We notice our senses, 
and what is happening around us, the sights, the smells, the dusty road beneath our feet, we become part of the story. Ignatius chooses scenes of Jesus acting rather than Jesus teaching or telling parables. He wants us to see Jesus interacting with those around him, Jesus making decisions, Jesus moving through his daily life, Jesus healing and loving. Ignatius doesn't want us to think about Jesus. He wants us to experience Jesus. He wants Jesus to fill our senses. He wants us to meet him face to face. So let's practice together today. Let's put ourselves right in the middle of a story from the Gospels and see where it leads us. We are going to immerse ourselves in the story I mentioned earlier, the story of blind Bartimaeus. So close your eyes with me and let's experience Jesus meeting Bartimaeus. Today we find Jesus his disciples, and a crowd of followers traveling the road between Jericho and Jerusalem on their yearly pilgrimage to the temple. Those who were unable to make the journey to Jerusalem were in the habit of lining the streets of towns and villages to share their well wishes with the Passover pilgrims who passed through. So the streets of Jericho would be lined with people. Where are you in the story? Are you walking with Jesus, standing on the roadside, watching from behind? So on this crowded road, notice your senses. Do you feel the hot Mediterranean sun beating down? Do you smell the dust kicked up by the passersby and the sweaty bodies pressed in together? What sounds do you hear? Voices? Muffled steps? Birds above? What do you feel in your own body? Your clothing against your skin? The sweat rolling down the back of your neck? Perhaps a mumble of hunger? Notice your senses. Now, it was common in ancient lands for distinguished rabbis and teachers to teach while they're traveling. And so Jesus would have been teaching the crowds surrounding him as he walked. This would be the last time Jesus would travel to Jerusalem. Once there, his teachings would lead to his public execution. But here, near the northern gate, we find a beggar named Bartimaeus. Son of Timaeus is what that means. And he was blind. We don't know how long Bartimaeus had been begging beside the dusty road outside of Jericho. But today he sat begging with his coat spread out before him to catch any coins that someone might throw his way. I'm sure he heard the tramping of feet and the excited whispers about the rabbi who was traveling through this day. Amid the noise and the chaos of the crowds, Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus. He had heard about this rabbi. 
Perhaps he had heard stories from people passing through, stories of this rabbi who was unlike any other, one who came close to the broken and the sinner, one who cared for the poor and the needy. He might have even heard rumors that Jesus had healed another blind man on the other side of Jericho. But blind Bartimaeus heard and something stirred in him, a wild abandon that he couldn't suppress. This was not a vague wish. This was a desperate desire for the person who could meet his need. Perhaps Jesus could do the impossible. The thing that he had dreamed of but never imagined could become reality. And so, with no thought of what anyone would think, Bartimaeus began to shout, Jesus, son of David, show me mercy. And the crowd was embarrassed and annoyed, and perhaps even embarrassed for this dirty beggar hanging around the side of the road. This beggar who seemed less than human and who had no right to demand attention especially from a rabbi as important as Jesus. So they shushed him and reminded him of his place. One translation says they sternly ordered him to be quiet. But this was maybe his only chance to escape his darkness, and the crowd's shushes only made Bartimaeus yell louder, Jesus, son of David, show me mercy! His loud and persistent cry to be heard caused such a scene that the procession stopped. Jesus called for Bartimaeus to be brought to him, and the crowd, more gently now, told him to be encouraged because Jesus wanted to see him. Notice Jesus in this moment, the way he walks, his gestures, the look in his eyes, the expression on his face. Bartimaeus doesn't waste any time. He leaps up and throws off his cloak and leaves it behind. And then Jesus does a curious thing. He asks Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? I wonder if some of the people nearby think to themselves, what a silly question. Of course he wants, what, to not have to beg? To be reunited with a family who could take care of him? What would you ask for in this moment? Look into the dark, compassionate eyes of Jesus the one who sees you as you are, and tell him what your soul longs for. Bartimaeus knows exactly what he wants. Teacher, I want to see. I want to see. And Jesus says, go, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. At once, Bartimaeus was able to see, and he began to follow Jesus on the way. 
He joins the crowd walking with him and listening to him, and he follows Jesus into the city. He may have been a beggar by the roadside, but he is a man of faith and gratitude and loyalty, a man who named his deepest desire before Jesus and received healing. When was the last time you felt your own longing? Your longing for love, your longing for God, your longing to be authentically who you were created to be. So often we're told by society, by our own inner critic, by religion, that our desires are bad or selfish that they're a Pandora's box full of evils that will explode if we open it. But Jesus routinely asked people what they wanted. If Jesus asked the question, then what we want, what we truly long for, must matter. I believe Jesus asked the question, what do you want me to do for you to help Bartimaeus and other people get in touch with their desire and name it in his presence? That day on the road to Jerusalem, Bartimaeus cried out for Jesus from the depths of his need and hunger for healing. And Jesus heard that soul cry over all the chaos and noise and he called Bartimaeus in close. As they stood face to face, Jesus asked him to name his desire. As you imagine today, as you put yourself into the story, Jesus is standing here face to face with you today. He's asking you, what do you want me to do for you? Look into his eyes and name it before him. Your longing for God, for love, for growth and transformation is the truest thing about you. As you use this imaginative prayer in your own life, I encourage you to put yourself into the stories in the Gospels. Notice what's around you. Experience it like you are there and look at Jesus in the eye. Be led by him, be spoken to by him, and allow him to speak to your deepest needs. Thank you for being with me today. Let's pray. Oh God, thank you for our imaginations for our emotions, for our senses. Thank you that you want to know what we long for. Thank you for all you do for us and help us to draw close to you and to name what we want most deeply in your presence. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray today. Amen.